the Mind Body Connection podcast. The body and mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Due to the ongoing issues with the coronavirus situation, we've slightly changed our schedule. We've replaced our normal interviews with some recordings of live seminars on how to boost your health using the latest research and practical tools. I do hope you enjoy them. Hey guys, welcome. It's uh, six o'clock on Tuesday and it's May and this is the seventh in our free seminars all about how to boost your health during this crazy time. And uh, what we're going to be looking at today is stuckness and change. Uh, so if you've arrived to the uh, seminar, you've come to the right place because most people are having to deal with stuckness and change. There's loads of stuff as so people have sent in, really interesting stuff. And one of the reasons I'm doing something around um, change and stuckness is the, the variety of things that people have asked me are quite interesting. So we had stuff around uh, dealing with pregnancy, dealing with grief, dealing with uh, trying to change uh, how you feel, um, in certain situations when you find yourself behaving like a teenager uh, when you don't want to uh, dealing with uh, starting a new career and keep on finding yourself blocking yourself um, having stress problems having health problems um, finding out that you've got corona and not kicking it off for some reason so I have such a wealth of stuff I thought we could deal with each of these things um, on their own but it might be more useful to look generally at stuckness and change and to take what's valuable for you from uh, the stuff that I talk about because there's lots of stuff we know about how to help people shift how they feel about uh, particular issues that have been bothering them for a long time uh, there's a whole range of skills and tools that I can teach you uh, and I'm going to go through some of those things so, if, as I say, if you have comments uh, as we go through, either in stuff that you would like specifically to resolve or an area that you're dealing with, drop it down. If it's confidential, just put the word, please don't share my name. <laughs> That'll be fine because not everybody wants to do that. Um, and um, I'm slightly distracted by the fact that I can see that my uh, my feed isn't working, but apparently it's all working for you, so that's brilliant. Dealing with poorer health would be great. Yeah, so if you want to write something down, that would be really helpful. Or if you have any ideas as we go through, uh, then please do uh, kind of drop them through. Or if you've got any questions, that would be brilliant. Um, so uh, we've got lots of people who know each other on the call. Welcome to those people who I've taught and trained over the years all those people who've uh, been watching my podcasts uh, these seminars are some very familiar faces from the other previous uh, six seminars that we've done we've had about 10,000 over 10,000 people watch these in various formats uh, they're on podcasts now they're on YouTube and they're on Facebook so please do share it with other people you think might find it useful to either watch live or to watch after the event um, so I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about stuckness so stuckness is really defined as wanting things to be different and yet everything you do just seems to end in nothing really changing and a lot of people fall into that category I mean you know how many people on the call now would recognize that uh, on New Year they say, make the same resolutions or they hear other people making exactly the same resolutions as they've made before um, so if that's you, just say yep, put a yes on your comment. Um, 
the first thing I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about um, a thing that comes from NLP, which is looking at very clear frames of reference. So let's just talk about frames briefly. So if you have a picture, let's say you have a, a lovely picture of like the waterfall behind me. Do you like the waterfall, by the way? Do let me know if you like the waterfall. Um, if you have a picture of a waterfall, and you have a kind of frame that makes sense for that, like, a, you know, maybe a wooden frame, maybe a golden frame, maybe a black frame, that would be lovely. If the frame was big, fluffy neon or cupcakes or something like that, then it would change completely how you felt about the picture within it. So if you had a picture of the Queen or Trump and the frame was something incongruous, it would change how you'd feel about that picture. So the frame that we put things on around is it's kind of very important for how we feel about things, how we approach things. Um, so we've got some more questions coming in. Great. Physical activity with CFS. Tra can trauma contribute to stuckness? Yes, absolutely it can. Um, so as I say, NLP has three very interesting frames that are worth thinking about. What I'd like you to do is think about your thing. You know, everybody will have something they're stuck with. You know, there's something that you want to be different. You keep on trying to resolve it and it just doesn't seem to change. It may be something you've had for a long time or more recent thing. You know, a lot of people are dealing with the stuckness of being, you know, locked in four, you know, four walls and not being able to do the things they normally want to do, like go to the pub or meet their friends and starting to kind of go, what do we normally do here? Oh, we drink a lot or we eat a lot or we watch a lot of TV. This doesn't feel like I want to be what I want to be doing. This is what seems to be occurring right now. So stuckness can, can occur in lots of ways, whether it's big stuckness or little stuckness. Um, but think about your particular stuckness. And then what I'd like you to do, is I'd like you to think of these three kind of broad frames. The first one is, are we seeing and focusing on this as if it's a problem? Like, oh, I'm really stuck. If that's the case, then neurologically, that will just make us feel like, well, maybe there's not much I can do about this. So what we really need to do with anything that feels like a problem, we really want to move away from that sense of difficulty and trouble and start to ask questions that encourage us to think about, okay, well, what is the solution? So start to engage and explore what would the solution be? When we train practitioners and therapists, one of the things we say to them is your patients naturally will come with problem. That will be, you know, that's that's what they're dealing with. And a massive part of your role is to constantly think about how we can move from this is stuck, this is just the way it is, to, well, how could it be different? What would the solution be? So the first thing I'd encourage you to do is just notice, are you in problem frame? Are you thinking about oh, the difficulty, the trouble, the challenge of it? Or are you engaging with, oh, how can this be different? So uh, Michelle's question, how to improve physical activity with CFS, that's relatively solution focused. How can I improve it? Okay. We know from stuff I talked about before that the words that you use have a massive effect. So if you talk about problem, if you talk about this pain, that difficulty, this stiffness, this stuckness, this trauma, then actually neurologically what you're doing is rewiring your brain to think about that more, more often and that will encourage stasis and stability of those patterns and make it more difficult to move into change.
Um, however, in Michelle's little statement, she's also got the word CFS. Now, CFS is a problem. So chronic fatigue syndrome, talking about the problem, talking about what's going on. And, and it's quite interesting when you work with, with patients, um, how much of the time is spent talking about problem. Now, it's reasonable to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on for you. But one of the things we even encourage with our practitioners is instead of saying, what is your problem? We say, what can we help you with? Because actually that immediately moves it from, let's talk about how shit everything is, which, you know, there's some purpose in that sometimes, to moving towards how can things be different? And I tell a story about I was invited to uh, a CFS specialist unit in the NHS and um, I observed them working with a, with, a, with a new patient taking a case history. And um, I thought I'd just note down some of the language, which as many of you all know, I'm very interested in language. And uh, in the consultation, uh, which lasted for about an hour, the the patient mentioned pain, fatigue, chronic fatigue, um, tiredness, a lot of times, I think about 20 times. What was fascinating was the consultant mentioned it three times as many times. Okay, So in that little conversation, uh, the patient was naturally talking about their problem. That's, that's quite reasonable for them to do. But the, the, the expert was talking about it even more. And so you've got all this neurology being fired out. Remember from other seminars, we talked about the importance of mirror neurons, that we have these neurons that are specifically designed to trigger when we see people do certain behaviours so that we can mimic it to some extent, so we can be part of a gang. And as a result, a lot of this stuff becomes contagious. Things that you say, other people will start to say. Ways that you think, other people will start to think because there is this sparking off of our mirror neurons. So we need to be careful, particularly in times of isolation, when we may be stuck with the same people or just stuck in our own head talking to ourselves, that we're managing some of these conversations. Are we talking from problem or are we talking about solution? Just leave me a message, leave a comment saying, if put a P if you notice that your a lot of your conversations are problem focused. If you recognize you're more solution focused, put an S and give yourself a pat on the back. If you are in problem frame, you know, if that's where a lot of your conversations are, then that's fine, but it something that would be really good to change. Ah, great, we're getting some uh, little conversations coming through here. Jenny's here, she's waving a hand. I'm guessing she's in solution frame, although she has just started a new term of lectures, so she may not be. Okay, so S for solution, that's where we want to be. P, put a pop, pop a P down if you're in problem. There's a slight lag between me talking and you um, hearing, so uh, I'm having a look at things now that are just coming up. Excellent, so being in solution frame is a, is a great way to, to move forwards. <laughs> Switching between P and S and sometimes in S. Uh, Try to do S, but sometimes slip back into P. We're all human. We will do this. It's fine. I mean, there's an interesting thing. I talked. I think I talked about this last time. Um, that in the lightning process, we talk about being in the pit uh, as opposed to moving forwards into a life you love. And that being in the pit is uh, basically engaging with any behaviour that's not life enhancing. But it's interestingly, it's not. Is it positive or negative? The question is, is it life enhancing? And 
moaning about say oh, not that anybody goes on the train anymore but if you've been on the train and you come back come home you had a dreadful journey then saying to your partner oh, such an awful journey it's really annoying although that's negative it's not necessarily uh, in the pit because it can be very useful to kind of share and offload if you do it all night yeah fair enough but um, just dipping occasionally into talking about problems it's not always a problem sometimes it's important to just go to talk about it but what you want to do is make sure you're doing it from a place of choice and that you're not doing it all the time excellent so we've gone in a problem solution the next frame that's really important to think about and these are really essential if you're noticing that your staff will want to change stuff uh hello jenny <laughs> jenny's in hong kong hope everything's good over there then the next thing is to look at are we seeing things as failure or feedback now anyone who's done a course with me knows that this whole thing of failure and feedback is very interesting failure basically means you had some expectations of how things would turn out and they didn't turn out that way and, and usually it means that it didn't turn out positively in the way that you wanted it <coughs> wanted it to turn out now we code that as failure and as a result we feel hurt and upset and angry and disappointed and you know maybe quit and don't bother to follow it any further but what if we really took it from a position of that's just information that doesn't have any other value apart from that tells me what i just did there didn't quite give me the result i wanted maybe i need to fine tune what i've done to get a different result um i've got an interesting question here just come up about the mindful approach uh when do you think it's appropriate to take a mindful approach accepting things the way they are and when it's necessary to change or become unstuck as such it's a really interesting question in fact um if you look at some versions of uh, buddhism they they have a different version of the mindful approach so the mindful approach that alice is mentioning here is one where we recognize what is what's going on and and sometimes sit with it but there is another kind of perspective from buddhism uh, which is that it's not just having this kind of westernized non-judgmental approach it's actually having a degree of judgment about it uh, and thinking to yourself okay is this increasing the compassion and reducing the suffering in the world so so having some you know often this non-judgment judgmental position is talked about but this is a position of a degree of judgment when you kind of assess things and go right is this increasing the compassion and reducing the suffering in the world if it is great if it isn't then maybe i need to make some wise choices about whether i focus on this pay attention to this or move on and so other approaches such as the lightning process are actually much more aligned with this version of the buddhist approach where it's like recognize what is and think right can i do something about this uh, is this a good thing to sit in uh, so not without judgment which is uh, often not the version of mindfulness that you uh, you hear about i did a lot of uh, reading and researching into this when i did my phd because trying to compa uh, contrast different approaches uh, and see how they fit with what we do and there's actually a huge amount of um, 
uh, a correlation between particularly this version of Buddhism that I'm talking about, which is this idea of you know making wise choices rather than just accepting everything the way it is. It's kind of going, well, what can I do to make a difference? Taking some mindful action. Uh, Margaret, who's on the call, know even more than I do about this because she's almost an ascended master. Um, isn't that right, Margaret? She can uh, add some deep information. Uh, but yes, sitting with pain um, probably doesn't reduce the suffering in the world or in yourself. It may not be the most compassionate thing for you to do. If there are ways of reducing the pain, reduce the pain. There's no, no need to experience it just because it is. <laughs> then we've got someone asking for a friend. This is uh, the lovely Lucy. Hope you're well, Lucy, asking for a friend. People are commenting a lot to me about feeling worried about OCG hygiene worries. Oh yeah, and going back into public afterwards. This morning I heard I don't want to think about I don't think I want to go back out. Uh, it's not safe, even after lockdown. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, they, they do say that the government's... Uh, I was going to say brainwashing. It's probably not the right word. But the, the message they have incredibly effectively got into people's minds is stay at home, stay at home, stay safe, stay safe protect the NHS. And they've done a great job of that in that people have stayed at home and they, they've linked it to a very high priority or criteria, which is the NHS protecting others. And they are quite worried about how they're going to then reverse this and go, actually, no, it's fine to come out now. Uh, and this uh, OCG hygiene thing is a little bit linked to this, that we spent a lot of time, you know, washing, 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 developing a particular behavior and putting stress in it, saying, be careful, be careful, you've got to do this, you must wash, you must wash. Uh, so people who already have a tendency to do some OCD stuff around it, that will be fueling those pathways. But a lot of people are in, in, in a place of worry about this. Um, and as we've said many times before, being worried about stuff, A, doesn't make it not happen, and B, stresses your immune system. So it's probably not going to work on any level. It's just about taking reasonable care. A bit like if you cross the road, you know, you look to see if there's a car, and you cross the road, you don't stand there looking, 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 looking. Otherwise, you'll never cross the road. So uh, finding some balance in it. And I guess this does come back to failure and feedback. Feedback is really, uh, you know, okay, I need to wash my hands. I've washed them. I've done it. That's finished. That's feedback. I've exited this particular pattern. You know, I've done that. Uh, whereas we can often get stuck in, have I done it right? Is this good enough? We bring on a, a kind of perfectionist pattern within it as well. So we need to move from failure to feedback. Remember, failure is when we have seen something not turning out the way we want it to, and we've ended up thinking, oh, that was a disaster, rather than, oh, that's interesting. That didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I wonder how I can do things differently next time. So I'd like to have a think for yourself with whatever you've got a little bit stuck with, are you seeing it as feedback or failure? If it's failure, then put FA. If it's feedback, then put FB. So if you're responding to things not going the way you wanted it to, you kind of go, oh, you know what, that's interesting. I'm not taking it personally. Instead, I'm just going to find a different way to deal, deal with it. If you feel crushed, deflated, despondent, depressed, distressed, 
but it's pointless and hopeless, then you probably need to put down FA for failure. Um, thank you. Lucy's put the first answer down. That's brilliant. One of the, the questions I ask people to do on, on often on my course is to take on uh, just a certain experiment. What would it be like? So Ruth, <laughs> Ruth said FA. Jenny said FAB with question marks. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ruth, uh, what you want to do is ask yourself, does that work for you? Uh, and what would it be like to decide to take it on as just, oh, that just hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to. I just need to find different ways. So just ask yourself that. And then the third one is the third frame. So, so far we've done problem. Are you seeing it's problem or solution? Are you seeing it's failure or feedback? The third one is, are you seeing it's impossible? Or are you being creative and thinking through it in a whole new way? So sometimes people will go, well, I've tried that, I've tried that, I've tried that, I've tried that, I've tried that. It's just nothing, nothing works. It's impossible. And usually we decide this after just a few uh, attempts, but you know, it's not usually the first attempt. We tried it a few times and we start to think well, it's just not possible. But what we need to do in those times, if we want to actually get where we want to get to, then we need to rethink of it as, okay, well, what if I could, what if this was possible? Let's pretend, let's imagine I could do this. And by doing that, what we do is we kind of sidestep this, this, this roadblock. So one of the things I used to talk about is imagine somebody said to you, you know, there's a suitcase with a billion dollars in, you know, at Trafalgar Square in London, and you have um, 10 hours to get to it. Now, if you live within 10 hours travel of that, and you, you thought, well, I could probably do some good with that billion dollars. Then you'd head off to go and get it. So let's say you start off in your car and then you get a puncher. So you fix the puncher and then you get another puncher, but you haven't got a spare tire. So what do you do next? Well, you probably go, right, OK, I need to get a taxi. So you get a taxi and the taxi breaks down. Um, so what do you do next? Well, you phone a friend and uh, they come and get you and they drive and then they run out of petrol and then petrol stations are closed. So then you go, right, I'm going to borrow a bicycle. You would constantly think whilst there was still a chance to get to the, the billion dollars in the suitcase, you would keep on thinking, right, how do I get around this obstacle? That's where you're dealing with things as feedback. It's like, oh, this hasn't worked. What do I do next? Okay, rather than, ah, it, it would be rare that somebody would go with five hours to spare and being less than five hours away from that suitcase to go, ah, nothing's working today, I'm going to go, go home. And yeah, that's how people often deal with stuff, isn't it? We kind of go, well, I tried a few things, it hasn't worked. Um, but we also need to rewind slightly to when we were kids, when we were little kids. When you think about it for a minute, and some of you have little kids, you may um, see them even doing this depending on their age. When they're learning to walk and or stand, how many times a day do they fall over? 
you know, it's th- literally thousands of times a week they headbutt the furniture, they fall on their face, on their ass. And what do they do? Do they go, well, that's it, that's it for me then. I've tried a couple of times, it didn't work. Clearly not built for walking. Cheers. No. Pretty much all of us, even though we have fallen over thousands and thousands of times, go, I really want to do this. I'm going to keep on going. So when you think about it, we are all nature's uh, uh, determined people. We get on with stuff. We move forwards. We do what we possibly can. So if you found that you kind of run out of steam, maybe it's time to remind yourself of that. Um, that is vodka, by the way, obviously. Or is it tequila? I can't remember. Um, so have a think and ask yourself, in the places where you're a bit stuck, are you approaching that? Now, you may say, yeah, generally I'm a solution-orientated, feedback-focused what if creative kind of person but in the areas where you're stuck are you still that person are you being that way or this a little dark corner where you don't think oh maybe i can't maybe i can't do this just notice that's that's the first thing the second thing is really to spend a few moments noticing if you're starting to get overwhelmed because if you've done something and it hasn't worked a few times you start to feel not only is it impossible but there's so much to do and it's such a difficult route ahead of you as soon as you notice phrases like there's too much or there's so much to do then you're already in overwhelmed and there's a simple solution which hopefully someone will drop down in the comments what's the very first thing you need to do uh, to resolve overwhelmed anyone know what it is drop it down Could be gin, couldn't it? It's actually water, don't worry. Straight from the waterfall behind me, actually. So what is the solution to overwhelmed? When you feel overwhelmed, first thing you need to do is to ask yourself, right, what is the first thing I need to do? What is the baby step? And with overwhelmed, very often people pick not the baby step, they pick a whole massive yeah stops stops the decent answer as well but chunk it down as jenny says we certainly need to stop we need to stop thinking the way we're thinking uh but yeah chunking it down by going what is what is the baby step what's the small bit that i can do what's the first step if we can take that on which naturally as steph says will change our state of mind if we can take that on then it gives us a chance to kind of go what are we doing and i've talked about this before in fact i talked about it today on a lecture I was doing at uni um, classic thing with overwhelmed two major things that happen in our mind we do this we bring lots of information flying towards us and as that happens often faster and faster we start to feel just absolutely suffocated and swamped and overwhelmed by it and one of the things to do and you can help out with this by doing it with me is as this happens I'll do it towards the camera although it really kind of comes towards you but if you imagine they're floating towards you like this, is to put your hands up and have your hands match this kind of internal movement of this stuff that's swimming around and slow it down. So the movement starts to slow. And as you slow it into slow-mo, you then freeze frame it. And then you can look at it 
as a single piece of information rather than a hundred bits of information coming towards you at the same time so slow it down slow your voice down and ask yourself what is the first thing what's the first step what do I need to do what's manageable and as I said very often people choose a too big a step you know they'll kind of go oh I need to uh, I need to lose you know two stone this week or I need to never eat a cookie again you know things that are just too big uh, and that makes it impossible it becomes another thing that overwhelms them is the solution becomes impossible and then they've got another thing to worry about so slowing things down slowing your voice down slowing your speed of if, if you know about NLP the submodalities of the movement of the information so what a classic thing people will go is they'll say right I've got this bill to pay but in order to pay that bill I've got to phone the bank and I phone the bank I can't get through to the bank I'm always waiting and then and that's what they're doing in their head and then there's no possibility of actually being able to create a solution it's a bit like going to an all-you-eat buffet all-you-can-eat buffet and try and eat everything at the same time and, and you see people doing that even with just a single plate you know, piling it up they could go back as many times as they want they're making it more complicated uh, so we have this kind of way of being that maybe we just need to calm down a little bit take it easy so the other thing I'd like you to do as we think about um, things that are catching us making us stuck it's, is to check we're not running the hopeless helpless worthless trap so I'm going to cover this briefly but it's, it might be important for some people hopeless is where it just feels like nothing is possible just nothing I can do or even more than that hopeless is like there is no solution this can't be done okay so it's kind of impossibility so if you're feeling that about anything you're in trouble and you need to change that by by recognizing that there is a way through and you may need to work with yourself or somebody else to realize that there is solutions one of the ways to do this is by thinking about other people who have achieved the change that you want we're going to come to this in a minute but there's an interesting pattern that people can get into <clears throat> and I'll come to Ruth's interesting question in a minute which is okay I believe that I believe that some people can change this and there's probably evidence that some people can but not me so I'm hopeless changes into I am helpless which says it is possible but probably not for me so I agree that other people out there can change but but I can't once you can address that with help by somebody say helping you to recognize well you have changed other things you probably could change this too there's a third position that sometimes people get into where they say yeah okay I get that it is changeable that I probably could change it but I'm not sure I'm deserving of change and this is a, a very damaging place to come from because then you can reject all change because you don't deserve it so check in with yourself if you're running any of those patterns very very important I'm not spend a lot of time working on it today but if you do notice any of those you do need to resolve them because they will get in the way of pretty much everything 
So Ruth says, what about if you worry that if you slow down, you'll chill out so much that you'll get more stuck? Very interesting. Um, you won't. Uh, if you calm down, you don't become more stuck. You become more relaxed and you give yourself a chance to think things through, maybe to be creative. It's not the same as inertia. It's not the same as paralysis, which, which would keep you stuck. It's not the same as demotivating. It's just finding some balance. When pe people often think that if they're busy, then they're being productive. They're not, they're just being busy. <laughs> uh, so a question people often will ask me is, because uh, I, I often ask the question, is stress ever good for you? And the answer is pretty much not. You know, unless you're being chased by a tiger, stress isn't that useful for you. Maybe if you want to run a bit faster, it will help you. But in most situations, in an interview, performance, stress doesn't help. And then people will say, yeah, but I use stress to get motivated. It's like, well, then what you need more is more motivation, more ways to get motivated that don't involve fear and stress. Uh, and the same here. If you chill out, you won't become more stuck. If you go into stasis and paralysis, yeah, you will, but not if you're calm. Calm and proactive is a much better place to come from. You Maybe you know people like that who are able to be effective, productive, but they don't do it like a headless chicken. They do it in a very calm, measured way, and they're able to do that. That's probably where you want to be with that. So then let's move to, um, yeah, I think we'll move to this next which is I would like you to think about one of the key things that stops people changing and that is their beliefs their expectations and there's lots of really interesting research if you've watched my podcasts or listened to my podcasts um oh we've got something about Socrates excellent hello Monera I think Socrates said beware the barrenness of a busy life <laughs> Interesting, I was reading about Socrates today uh, and Socratic questioning. One of the things that Socrates said was he, he would hardly ever answer a question. Uh, and if somebody asked him a question, he would usually ask them a question. And if anybody's ever trained with me, they'll know that that's something that I do a lot. And the purpose of this was to get them to think about the answer, which is exactly why I do it too. So questioning as a way of avoiding giving people the answer, getting them to think it through. So Socrates, the beware the barrenness of a busy life. I like that very much. Okay, so uh, uh, on my podcast, um, Irving Kirsch, uh, Professor Irving Kirsch, lovely guy. Hopefully you've watched it, the interview. If you haven't, please do. It's on the Mind Body Connection podcasts in iTunes. Uh, just look for Phil Parker, Mind Body, Body Connection. Really interesting guy, been around for a long time uh, and even won a Grammy uh, for um, best comedy album in 19, I think the early 70s. Uh, but he came up with this, this theory called response expectancy theory, which basically it's, it's not rocket science really, but uh, it's been proven again and again to be true. What you expect to happen, so what you expect to be your response to say a pill or a drug or an intervention or surgery is what happens. It, it, it deeply affects how you respond to those things. 
And I was reading, I was had to do another interview the other day about nocebo effects. So that's placebo effects are where you respond positively to an inert substance or inert intervention. Nocebo effects is where you get side effects from having an inert intervention. In one of the studies by a colleague of mine, Jeremy Howick, uh, so in most trials you have the real treatment and the placebo. Okay, in the placebo arm, they found in a study of over half a million people, any guesses as to what percentage of people had side effects from taking a placebo. Okay, so adverse events so so strong that they reported them to the study's uh, researcher. Any guesses on the percentage of people who were taking a placebo, so nothing in it at all, that got a um, a response, a physical negative response to the placebo? Stick down your answers if you'd like to have a guess. I'll have a drink of um, Icelandic vodka, I think. Christie is right. It's 50%. 50% of people taking placebos had severe adverse reactions to whatever they were taking. And very often they would have the uh, the reaction that you would expect to get if you kept getting the real drug. They did an interesting study where they had three different hospitals. And uh, in in two of the hospitals they gave out all the leaflets about side effects and in one hospital there was a bit of an administrative error and they didn't give out one of the pieces of paper saying you might get digestive problems what they found was there was a six-fold increase in digestive problems in the people who got the uh, got the drug all the placebo and got the warning letter so there's a real interesting dilemma in medicine at the moment about we need to tell people about the possible consequence of whatever we're going to do to them but at the same time we know that there's a negative effect to doing this so how do we manage this this complicated situation so your beliefs your expectancies are responsible a lot for your placebo response it's not the only thing but it is one of the things and our beliefs are very very powerful when it comes to making change or staying stuck and we gather beliefs as a result of experience so if we try something a few times it hasn't worked we start to think quite reasonably well then maybe it doesn't work for me but of course those expectations make it less likely for it to work through response expectancy but also make it less likely we'll try again because we tried lots of times it hasn't worked so i'd like you to just check in whatever you're stuck with just ask yourself these questions on a scale of zero to five where five is yeah i completely agree and zero is not first question you ask yourself is do i want this thing okay do i want this thing do i want this change now it sounds like a stupid question of course you want the change but you may find there's a little bit of conflict inside that says no i don't know if i do do i really want that change so check in with that make sure it's a five if it's not a five then there's some work to do on that but it's good to notice that second thing ask yourself how much do you agree with the statement it's completely possible to me for me to have this change between zero and five completely possible is five not possible at all zero and just score yourself go as you go along so put down want uh, leave a comment want where it is between zero and five possibility where it is between zero and five next is capability which is the sense that not only is it a possible thing but i am someone who's capable of this i have the capacity to do it notice out five what your number is and then we're going to move on to uh 
appropriateness or what we call ecology, which is I'm prepared to do what needs to be done. I'm prepared to do what needs to be done and it's okay. It will fit with who I am and people in my life. Just check it out. Out of five, what's your score? And then two very interesting ones. I deserve this change. Again, the deserving thing comes up here. And the reason this comes up, uh, it's the second time I mentioned it today, is we can learn, we can, we can develop beliefs at a very young age about what we should expect, what we should be allowed. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on around um, arrogance um, and confidence and people confusing being confident, self-confident and being arrogant. A friend of mine, Robert Holden, wrote a book called Lovability. Uh, and one of the things he said was when he was a kid at school, the worst thing that anybody could ever say about you was, oh, Robert, God, he doesn't have love himself, doesn't he? You know, like that'd be the worst thing that he could ever say to somebody. Um, but of course, loving yourself shouldn't be something that's bad. It's a great thing. We should love ourselves. It's really important that we do. It's really important we give ourselves positive self-regard. There's, again, so much research that says that. Kindness. Kindness and positive self-regard, very important. So, um, deserving is often missing because people have learned somewhere that they don't deserve the best, they don't deserve good things, they shouldn't keep their hopes up. Uh, it's arrogant to expect too much. Um, if you're too positive, then your hopes be dashed. Um, you shouldn't have this because if you have it, other people can't have it and everyone must have the same. All this stuff, there's lots of stuff around that, about showing up, being too prominent. So, and then there's another one which is about responsibility. You know, how much do you agree with the statement, I am responsible for the change that I want to make? Yeah. Uh, key to a lot of my work is about people really taking responsibility for influencing their lives. And that's not the same as saying it's your fault this has happened. It's just saying, you know, you're the one closest to your nervous system. If anyone can make a difference, it's going to be you. So wherever you are in this conversation, we talked about loads of stuff. We've talked about problem, failure, impossibility, solution, feedback, what if, hopeless, helpless, worthless, um, and beliefs, you know, what do you want? Do you really want it? Is it possible for you? Capable? Is it? appropriate for you do you deserve it you're responsible for it what i'd like you to do is notice anything that's showing up for you from this conversation about you know what well, that's a bit i need to work on that's something that i find myself doubting questioning where i get stuck Think about that and just pop it down on the comments. Where for you, of all the things I've talked about, you think that's something that's not quite where it should be. That's going to be getting in my way. It may be you think, you know, I talked too much about the problem or I've tried this so many times, nothing's changed. Or, um, you know, if I did change it, there'll be knock-on consequences or maybe I don't deserve it. Just jot down in the comments what for you is the thing you notice is getting in the way of this health problem, this habit change that you want, this career change, this positivity change, this mindset change, um, whatever else it is that people have been talking about. 
because that's why you're here. <laughs> and if it's beliefs, then specifically, which part of the belief is it? Is it you want it? Yeah, I do want it. Is it I don't think it's possible? Just notice which bit is the bit that's just not quite working. Uh, and the reason I want you to do that is twofold. One is to notice what it is. It's kind of important to notice. And secondly is for the next exercise that we're going to do. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take a few moments just to quiet in your mind. Again, make sure if you're watching this, listen to this, you're not driving a car or anything like this. It's going to be turning inwards and you don't be focusing on anything external. I'd like you to just turn inside, take a few moments to breathe. And then I'd like you to think of a number of things. The very first thing I'd like you to think about is someone for you who is an amazing example of the thing that you want. So let's say you feel failure. Okay, you fear failure and getting things wrong, which is a very common thing. To think of somebody who really doesn't have that. They are completely okay with occasionally getting it wrong or getting it wrong quite a lot. They have to because of what they do. You know, they, they've got a mission and they just have to get it wrong quite a lot of the time and it's fine for them because it's more important to get where they're going than worry about it. Or if it's somebody, if you're talking about health issues, somebody who has done the thing that you want to change, they've got over it particularly somebody who found it quite a long journey but they got there yeah so somebody who's similar to you but has actually achieved the very thing that you want so if it's covid think about boris johnson bless him or somebody else who's achieved it or think about captain tom at the age of 99 walking around his garden now someone for you who is absolutely would stand up and say this is doable no messing and i speak from experience so choose someone for you who without a shadow of a doubt if you ask them do you think it's actually possible to make this change they go hell yeah of course it is absolutely All right so think about someone like that it could be somebody you know or somebody you know of so boris johnson colonel tom um obama um the Dalai Lama, Jesus, it doesn't really matter if you know them, you know, physically, if you have knowledge of them, that's fine. Choose that person for you who really kind of stands for this quality. And then, and then close your eyes, imagine they're there with you. And imagine you're, you're facing this difficulty that you have, like, oh, I just don't know if I can get through this. I've tried so many times. Is it ever going to finish? Whatever the conversation is. And have them hear that. And have them really get it. So they're not dismissing it. They're going, yeah, I really get that. And then hear what they would say to you. Knowing them, knowing what they have achieved, what they've been through, what they would give to you as a words of wisdom or holding you or being with you and reminding you of something that maybe you've forgotten coming from that place of their experience their authority of having been along that road already what would they say to you with kindness 
with a glint in their eye and also with no nonsense. Just hear them say it. Notice what that feels like to really have a sense of that presence, to be mindful of that, to be present to that. What would they say with kindness and compassion, thoughtfulness and experience that allows you to really hear that? To really hear that. And to take that in and to notice as you do, how does this feel to have this input, this connection, this support, access to this way of being? How does that change how you feel about where you are, the opportunities available in the environment that you're in at the moment. How does that change how you feel about the things that you can do, the actions you can take, whether it's new actions or old actions in a different way? How does that feel and change how you feel about your inner potential, what you're possible and capable of doing? And how does that transform how you feel about your beliefs, the things that you think are possible. How does that shift that? How does that shift your criteria, how you prioritize your time and your energy and your thoughts? And how in turn does that change and enhance how you feel about who you are as a person? And how does that change what you can contribute to the bigger systems that you're part of as a result of making this shift. The mission that you recognize you're connected to in your life. And then I'd like you to imagine if they were with you, walking with you, walking beside you over the next few days and weeks, with you, helping out, reminding you, calling you on your stuff in a kind way, being there for you, reliable, rock solid, like a foundation, like a team, then what naturally happens if in every moment they just pop up, just there, being there, what happens? And as you allow yourself to connect with that, I'd like you to take yourself 10 years into the future where this is all done and dusted as a result of really shifting things, really changing things. So going 2030, you're looking back to the time of the COVID lockdown, which seems like a distant memory now. So in 2030, notice how not only life has changed in an extraordinary way, but how it seems so distant. And then somebody comes up to you and goes, I've just noticed you. I've been watching you for a while and I see, and they talk about the quality they see within you, whether it's you know, the ability to be incredibly healthy or really focused or to change habits or something. But they see that quality. They really see it because you embody it. 
They say, how do you do that? That's amazing. And you say, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> it's funny you should say that, you know, 10 years ago I didn't have this. And, and now it's just second nature to me, just through experience. And that's such a distant memory for me. And yeah, I changed that. And you become that mentor for them. They look to you and say, you are somebody who's done this. And that reminds me that I can do it. And learn what you need to learn from that. And as you do, just bring yourself back to the conversation. Just drop down anything that's useful for me to know from that experience. As you go through that, you can listen to this again on catch up if you need to go through it again. The more times, of course, we connect with what's going on and then find solutions, the more we develop this flexibility and this neurological connection with change and start to counterbalance, counteract some of the other conversations that we've been dwelling into often. So, yeah, let me know in the comments for you. How's that different? What does that feel like? Now, a lot of this work comes from NLP. A lot of it actually comes from a guy called Robert Diltz. He's an amazing guy. I do follow him on Facebook, get some of his books. There's also some stuff I've included that comes from our relaxation and de-stress programs. I'll put a link to that at the end of the video as well. You can get them on philparker.org. So if you want to learn how to relax deeply and be relaxed anytime you want to, then that's a really good thing to do. But yeah, let me know how things are different as a result of engaging that way. Excellent. Empowering. Feeling less scared. And by that, Michelle really means feeling more calm. Assuring. Very good. So the more you connect with this, the more it just becomes second nature for you. So in a few moments, I'm going to close the, uh, the session today by just recapping some of the things that we focused on. Excellent. This weird delay between me asking the questions and you answer is, is quite fun. So, uh, first of all, I'm just going to go into space. There we are. So, what we've looked at today is people get stuck. Um, but what's interesting is they get stuck on things that not only other people don't get stuck on, but on things that they've also gotten stuck with before in their own lives. We looked at a number of ways. We've got overwhelmed. We talked about that. You may remember where I did that. And slowing that down, slowing your inner voice down. We looked at these frames, problem frame, solution frame, failure frame, feedback frame, impossible, what if. And just checking in with yourself, which one am I in? Three very, very simple ways of looking at change, but really, really important. We also looked briefly at the hopeless, helpless, worthless trap. You remember that? So hopeless means it can't be done. Helpless means maybe it can be done, but not for me. And worthless means, okay, it can be done. It could be done for me, but I don't deserve it. 
Then we looked at what's called a congruence of beliefs, which is how much do you agree with the statement? You do want it, it's possible, you're capable, it's appropriate for you, you deserve it, you're responsible for this change. And noticing any way you get stuck on that. And then finally, we took a little journey into who for you would be a paragon, an exemplar of that quality that's missing for you, who sees possibility or maybe sees ways around it or feels completely, yeah, I can influence stuff. Remembering that there is power in this. There's power in our internal conversations, which are crushing for sure. There's power in connecting with different conversations. And we need to be doing that. If we do that, it will make a difference. So until next week, where I'm guessing we will meet up again at the same time, six o'clock next Tuesday. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys there. Thanks for joining. And do tell your friends about this. As I say, we want to have even more people connecting with this because there's some cool stuff. If you have any further questions, please add them because we can add them to the next um, next event. Um, great to see you. You take care of yourselves. See you guys soon. The Mind Body Connection Podcast. The Body and Mind. <laughs>